New audio. Blog Talk Folks. Radio. This Whoa. is All Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. No rains, no rains, so they're happy. Yeah, 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 it's staying dry. Um, yeah, we are, yeah, we are. Uh, the background music, yeah, the video and everything's the same. Background music oh. had changed. Uh, found something, and uh, I yeah, the video redid as a full size. It didn't fit on the video screen, so it probably got chopped off. But uh, ah. it was there. It's uh, oh well. I, gotta, I, I thought something was yeah. different after after our Intemperino player finished. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and I'm going, and he's going, hey, wait a minute, this, you know, and so yeah, yeah, yeah it's a little, little bit different. different. A little different there. Well, that sounded good, though. Sounded good. But, yeah. That, break, it, break it up a little bit there. Um, welcome to All About Wine. Another another week of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio and other venues out there. If you're listening to us on YouTube or Facebook or anything else, we're listening to on lots of other venues. So. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for whatever you're tuning in on us. We appreciate it. We uh, have some, no guests tonight, but we do have some information for you. Thanks to pass on, as always, interesting stuff. And we, uh, well, before I forget it, and I almost do, before I forget it, I want to tell you about Waltz Vineyards. They have a wine pairing dinner coming up on June the 24th. That is a Thursday. That's the night of a show, but that's all right. I I keep forgetting to bring this up, and it gets closer and closer. Waltz, W-A-L-T-Z, Waltz Vineyards, located in Mannheim, Pennsylvania. And they are going back into full force now doing stuff again, as is most of the wineries out there. Uh, They're having things happening. But on the 24th, they have 40 seats available for a dinner. Uh, The menu and cost is to be announced. They don't have a final on that yet, but it's a five-course meal, each accompanied by one of their estate wines, and live entertainment will be... Uh, provided also so it sounds like a good time so keep that 
in mind as I start getting prices or anything probably next week because that's going to be the last week before the 24th. I'll <coughs> excuse me. I'll pass on uh, some prices, but if you want to get a hold of them, boy, excuse me again. <coughs> Catching my throat. I'm taking lisinopril. For any of you out there who know what that is, it's it's for my uh, diabetes, but well, I'll tell you what, it gives you a cough. Lisinopril is infamous for giving people a cough. If you want more information, give them a call at 717-664-9463. And that will uh, get you to the winery and they'll tell you what's going on. But uh, it's... Uh, a five-course dinner with wine accompanying each course and all that coming up two weeks from tonight. They are also looking for uh, hiring people for the Kitchen Kettle Village location uh, for a part or full-time tasting room representative. So if you live in that area and you're interested in that, get a hold of them too. So I, I wanted to get that out of the way. I keep forgetting that each week. I've known that for a couple of weeks. And every time I forget it just gets another week closer and something else too i'm going to be a guest on the maria uh, liberetti show on the 21st of well i'm being recorded on the 21st i don't know when her show goes live every time so i i, I you know I, I hate to see that let me just say i'm going to be a guest on her show so if you are familiar with oh, thank you Thank you, best people. If, if you're familiar with the Maria Liberetti show, then check it out. I'm going to be a guest. I don't know when it's going to air. I don't know any of that stuff. They contacted me and want to be a guest. And I said, sure, that sounds like fun. And I also said we would like to get Maria as a guest on our show. And so they said, yes, that looks like fun, too. So we'll try to get her on. But she's quite, quite a well-versed person. She was a model. She is now a leading expert in Italian wines, an Italian chef, and all sorts of good stuff we found out. So I'll let you know when I find out when that's going to be on, but you can check out her podcast. And two weeks, we have a, a guest on our show, Matthew Lindsay. So things are happening. Things are happening all the time on All About Wine. It's not just me and Mike sitting there talking to you, but we have uh, other things going on also. Speaking of Mike, I'm going to turn it over to Mike for a few minutes because over the last, oh, wow, what was it, nine, ten months, we've had some great guests uh, lined up, and we've talked to a lot of them. And a lot of them have had different things that they've offered and different things that they're doing, books and movies and uh, podcasts, all sorts of things that applies to you uh, out there so you can listen to it or check any of this stuff out. So uh, it's been a while since we mentioned any of these, but I think it's about time we get back in. So, Mike, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about our past guests here and what they're offering. Okay, back in October, co-directors Mark Johnson and Mark Ryan and writer Michael Karam were on the show October 8, 2020. 
The movie Wine and War, the untold story of wine in the Middle East, is about survival, resilience, and struggles. Wine has been in Lebanon culture for 7,000 years. They are raising money for CAPHO, a great uh, organization, and uh, you can go to wineandwar.com, wineandwar.com. Click the Watch Now button, and that'll take you to uh, where you need to go to, to watch it. On October the 15th, Jim Lochran was on the show. He's a certified wine educator and author. You can visit jimlochran.com. That's Jim, L-A-U-G-H-R-E-N.com. And uh, he has uh, two book, two quick books right now out uh, called The 15-Minute Guide to Red Wine, which is uh, only 28 pages uh, of good reading, and 15-Minute Guide to White Wine, which is another uh, quick read and a handy reference to have as well. Check that out on uh, Amazon. On October 29th, we welcomed Joy Neighbors to our Halloween special. Uh, she is the author of The Family Tree Cemetery Field Guide, How to Find, Record, and Preserve Your ancestors' graves, including topics to plan your trip to the cemetery, research, make sense of your research, and digging deeper into other records or preserving uh, cemeteries. It's available at Barnes & Nobles, Amazon, and other outlets. On November 19th, we welcomed Michael Brown, author of Pinot Rocks, and he's also a winemaker. The book is available on Amazon.com. Pinot Rocks is available in any format, and the audio format is great because William Shatner did the audiobook version of his book. That's right, Captain Kirk. On January 14th, we had a great conversation with Cap Kaplowitz, a podcaster and blogger of cigars, spirits, coffee, and wine. And All About Wine's own show host, Ron, is also the wine panelist on the show. For more information, visit kaplowitz.xyz. That's K-A-P-L-O-W-I. I-T-Z dot X-Y-Z. On February 11th, 2021, we had founder and producer of Beer, Wine, and Spirits, Jeff Bradford, on the show, the filmmaker dedicated to revealing the stories behind the labels of our favorite drinks. On February 25th, we welcome Natalie McLean, podcast host of the popular Unreserved Wine Talk. She's also an author of Red, White, and Drink All Over and Unquenchable, a tipsy quest for the world's best bargain wines, plus several quick reads available on her website. She is also the wine expert on CTV's The Social, which is Canada's largest daytime television show, CTV News, and Global Television's Morning Show. You can pick up her Ultimate Food and Wine Pairing Guide for free by visiting her website at nataliemcclain.com forward slash all about wine. That's natalie, M-A-C-L-E-A-N.com forward slash all about wine. Thank you. Thank you. Huh. That was uh, a lot of great guests we've had over there and a lot of all those books and everything. I read those in the movie. The movie is fantastic, by the way. It really is a good history of wine over in that part of the world. <coughs> Excuse me again. Uh, good history of wine over in that part of the world. So if you get a chance, check out yeah. that movie and all the other books and everything else. It's uh, It's been a, uh, a good ride through this into this pandemic for us, and we've had some great guests. I guess people get bored sitting at home, and they say, well, let's go on to All About Wine, and it's worked great yeah. for us. So. Uh, fantastic on that. All right. Um, let's see where are we? Right there. 
what for something else, and let me see who. Oh, Tassel Ridge Winery. Haven't talked about them for a while either. Tassel Ridge, located in Iowa, they are in. Well, the town itself is Layton, Iowa, which is actually southeast of Des Moines. Having a heat wave there now, too. Unbelievable how hot it is in Iowa right now. Hot and dry. I don't know if it's affecting wine. I need to email them and ask them if the heat and drought is affecting the grapes any, because this is starting, you know, I mean, bud break and all that's already happened. So, so, but Tassel Ridge Winery is back up and running now. Gift shop is open. They have 50% off shipping with a 12-bottle uh, purchase. Uh, their wine of the week, the Star Spangled White, is a sweet white wine with hints of pineapple and melon and pear. I liked it. I, I It was uh, a nice wine. Um, they got flowers uh, blooming on their grapevines now, which, again, I don't know how this drought is affecting them. I need to make a note. Call Tassel Ridge. I'll do that right now. Call Tassel Ridge. Okay. So I've got that in here, and I'll give them a call, and I'll see how they're doing. Um, Let's see. What else we've got here? So Tassel Ridge, get a hold of them if you're interested or anything. Uh, Again, they are in Lighten, Iowa, southeast of Des Moines, and their phone number is not listed. Oh, my gosh. After all that, I was going to give you the phone number. Uh, You can get a hold of them at their website, info, I-N-F-O, at Tassel Ridge, T-A-S-S-E-L-R-I-D-G-E.com. Nice winery up there. And other wineries. Uh, I, I've gotten emails. They're starting to pick up again now. All your local wineries are starting to open their doors. It's starting to loosen a little bit on the restrictions. The COVID is not as strict in a lot of areas. Uh, some of them do require masks, and if you're going to taste, you can slip the mask off, but a lot of them do require masks to come in and wander around. The meals also, they've cut back on it, but it's getting better all the time. Again, as I was saying, all the way through the COVID uh, pandemic, you know, patronize your local wineries, buy from them and have them shipped to you, whatever. Now that they're opening back up, they really do need your support everywhere. All of them do. It's just a, a, a sieve out there with this COVID and what's happened with it and all that stuff. So they can really use everyone's support. So your local winery, you know who they are. If you don't know who's the closest to you, go to, uh, what's the name of the, oh, I had it here. Uh, <laughs> U.S. Wineries by State, you can you can go go there and That will give you, well, come on, give it to me now. No, I don't want a phone search. Wait a minute now. I just clicked on that link, and it's not giving me the link. U.S. Wine Use by, no, well, 
forget that. That doesn't look like that's available anymore. Uh, hmm. Well, that's just too bad. That was a a great site there that used to guide guide me to wines. Hmm. Okay. Well, forget that one then. Uh, uh, you know, I've got a blank on the other site that I used to use all the time for wines. So let me see if I can't find it quickly here, too. Uh, no. Well, look up any of, you know, just going in, in local wineries, and most of the time you'll be guided to all the local wineries. Check it out and visit your local wineries and keep them in mind whenever you're looking for something. Instead of driving out to the grocery store, try to go to a local winery. Always a good thing to do. Okay. Uh, not that, that. I disappear for a minute. I've had troubles with Block Talk Radio. cut me off. It's been an ongoing thing over the last three or four months. And they say they fix it, and then they don't, and all that. So... If for any reason I disappear, then Mike will entertain you until I call back in, which only takes a few minutes. Okay. Got a few things to talk about, a few things to tell you here. Uh, And uh, we'll uh, go on. First one, COVID impact on wine tasting. One of the things with COVID is that it affects your taste and your smell. This is one of the underlying things that they say that it will affect it all the time. Now, on a side note here, I just found out something that I didn't realize. My ex-daughter, my uh, ex-wife's daughter from her first marriage, uh, my ex-stepdaughter, had COVID in December. She's uh, she's older now. She's 45, I think. And she had COVID back in December. Uh, well, she's older now. She's 47. Not real bad. Was never hospitalized. And it was an actual full, full set COVID. She recovered from it. But about a week and a half ago, she started to have some side effects from it. And these side effects came on as not being able to eat certain things. She was eating chicken and it was just, it was making her sick because she said in her words, it tastes like bad broccoli and broccoli has a bad smell to it anyway. But when it goes bad, it's just really nasty. And she said, that's what it tastes like bad broccoli. And there's lots of other things she had on her list of stuff that was tasting bad and smelling bad. And she saw the doctor about it. Doctor said, this is a side effect from COVID that we never hear about. And it's hitting a lot of people. She went online and found support groups because it's hitting so many people. She found support groups that are helping each other. They find that eucalyptus oil and CBD oil is good. These are the things that tend to help. Uh, Headaches are one of the side effects, and the CBD oil helps that. So I I just wanted to tell you about that. I don't know if you've heard about that or not. I had not until she mentioned it, and then 
since then I've seen a couple other people that I know have posted stuff about it. But one of the things about COVID is that you do lose your sense of smell and taste, and it slowly works its way back. But if you're a wine drinker, that could be devastating, especially if things start smelling like bad broccoli. So one positive, well, they had a seminar on uh, Wine Future 2021 online symposium, and they brought in a rhinologist, which is a nose doctor, and had him discuss the impact of COVID-19 and how it would affect the smells of the wine. And he said, he uh, well, quote, I believe we have already reached a peak maximum number of cases and deaths. Last month was a peak to me. I think we'll get back to the peak where we were a month ago. But we need to understand that everybody's not safe yet. And we're finding mutations which are affecting the smell and taste of a lot of things, not just wine. So, like I just said, uh, it, it's a, it's affecting other stuff. But the s- smell, it says it's affecting 5 to 10% of the people who experience COVID are, are having problems smelling it. And for an undetermined amount of time, they suffer afterwards. They're saying most of the time it's only uh, two or three weeks after the actual on-site or onset of the COVID uh, when you get to the end of it, but it is affecting, well, food and everything else. So the wine aspect of it, they said that uh, it, it does seem to, uh, that, that the taste does come back, uh, but it does take time and it affects the olfactory canal, which is, well, that's your smell. And it says that they are finding that people all around the world are having problems with it. And particularly people in Australia and New Zealand uh, are sin, tend to be complaining about it more than anywhere right now. So uh, the, the loss of the smell, not just so much because of COVID, but the after effects of it and all that. So uh, according to the, the good doctor here, he said that it is temporary. It will go away. So if you had it or if you you have it, and even though it's a small case of it and it's affecting your smell of wine and your taste of wine, hang in there. It will pass. According to this, it is not a permanent thing. It's something that's going to be going away and something you don't have to worry about forever and ever. You should be getting back to your good tastes and good smells before, well, he, he says he's not sure how long exactly, but it will, it will pass. We have talked about the tests and the certifications for masters and of wine and different ones. We've had many guests on that have certifications uh, for being a uh, wine sommelier and Phase one, two, or three of being a fight, uh, wine sommelier, which is, is, is a little tough thing. But recently, uh, 10 new masters of wine gotten their certificate, their certification, their, their uh, uh, promotion to that level. Uh, the 
Institute of Wine Masters have awarded 10 new IMW members, uh, Institute of Wine Masters, obviously IMW, and a certification of Master of Wine, or an MW certification. Uh, these uh, there are now 418 MWs globally. Only 418. I mean, you start thinking about the number of people that are in the world and the number of people involved in wine and the number of people taking certifications. 418 masters of wine globally. That includes 149 women and 269 men in 32 countries either living or working in different countries. Since the first exam in 1953, now 1953 was the first exam, only 493 people have became a master of wine. Uh, obviously, the number 418 reflects uh, the people who have passed on, but only 493 got the distinction of be- being a master of wine. The exam consists of three distinct parts, the theory and practical exams taken at the end of stage two and the research paper submitted at the end of stage three. You got to do a research paper, you know, reflections of college and all that stuff. The research paper is an in-depth study of on a wine-related topic from any area of the sciences, arts, humanities, or social sciences. So it's not something you can just fake through. It's something that does take research and it has to be has to be an in-depth and correct. In addition to passing the exam and before new members have the right to use the title Master of Wine or the initials MW, they must sign the Institute of Master of Wine's Code of Conduct. By signing the Code of Conduct, Master of Wines agreed to act with honesty, integrity, and use every opportunity to share their understanding of wine with others. So it is really quite a, a, a prestigious, I guess is the best word I'm looking for here, quite a prestigious honor and uh, accomplishment to be a Master of Wine. The top countries where Master of Wines are based around the world are Australia with 28, Canada has 10, France has 18, New Zealand 15, United Kingdom 210, and the U.S. 56. Well, that's funny, I think. United Kingdom has 210. Why why so many? I don't know. I'm not one to dig into that that's just the way the breaks down the new master of wines i will break them down for you because they do deserve recognition james Dewidge, d-o-i-d-g-e uh, master of wine from united kingdom a gabriel gorelli g-o-r-e-l-l-i from italy i believe he is the first from italy too uh Let me see this. Uh, I think so. Um, oh, this is interesting, too, on this article. Uh, the first guy, uh, James Dewidge, uh, his research paper 
was on the evolution of Grenache Noir in California, uh, Trends and Production Opportunities for the Future. Uh, Gabriel Gorelli, his research paper was Quercetin Precipitation in Brunello di Montesino and what are the organic finding options to prevent this phenomenon from occurring in the bottle? Well, yeah, okay. And Susan Lynn, she is in the United States. Uh, she is located in San Francisco Bay Area. And this is an interesting research paper, Influences of Classical Music on the Perception of a Brute Non-Vintage Champagne. Hmm. That would be interesting to find out what type of conclusion she drew from that. Uh, next one, Maurice Nicholas Luque, L-U-E-K-E, a master of wine in Germany. His research paper, Arrived with COVID-19, Here to Stay, Experiences of German Wineries with Online Wine Tastings. That would be interesting, too. Sophie Parker Thompson, a master of wine located in New Zealand. Oh, jeez. Don't you hate it when your computer does that and just jumps past a whole bunch of everything? Uh, her paper, what is the relationship between the use of sulfur dioxide and biogenetic amine levels in wine? Avaro Ribalta Milan. He is in, uh, located in the United Kingdom. He moved to London from Barcelona, Spain, so therefore the Spanish name. His research and an analysis of the different labeling options for traditional, for traditional method sparkling wines in the region of Tenidas. Rather specific for a research paper. Next is Z. Sam. T-Z-E Sam, S-A-M. She is located in the United Kingdom, and she is from raised and born in Singapore, and now she is uh, attending Oxford. A bottle of good, solid, edified port, and this Polygi French Claret. It goes into those. Melissa Sanders from the United States native New Yorker at, uh, in Boulder now. Could the environment impact of winemaking affect purchasing decisions of retail wine buyers in New York City? That would be interesting, too. Some nice, interesting subjects on research papers here. Chris Spiegel, K-R-Y-S-S, Chris Spiegel, S-P-E-E-G-L-E. She is also located in the United States. Uh she is uh, no. She's a winemaker who has been all over the world. She's now in the Bay Area, uh, San Francisco Bay Area. What factors impacted the presence of American wines on U.S. wine lists during the 1900s to 1950s? Well, the presence was probably the fact that there weren't that many available. Clara Tooley, C-L-A-R-E-T-O-O-L-E-Y. Master Wine in the United States. She also lives in California, and her research included an investigation into the impact of cannabis production on viticulture in Sonoma County. 
I've talked about that before, and I'm always curious about how much the cannabis business is going to affect wine production. That would be an interesting paper also. And it says here at the end, the Institute of Master Wines, this list now takes it to a global total of 418. I just told you that at the beginning there. So 10 new Master of Wines that are out there that are available uh, that are uh, uh, available now. So uh, thank you, people, and uh, keep up the good work. And uh, we'll uh, give them a little clap for their work that they've done getting the Master of Wine. So very good. Thank you. Okay. Let's, uh, whoops. Why did it go to that? It shouldn't go to that. Uh, Oh, here we are. Free the Grapes. I've told you about this site lots and lots of times. I keep on saying them. I have to get the uh, president and CEO and the the head of Free the Grapes on the show, and I just never have gotten around to doing it. But 2021 winery update. This is what they've had so far. Uh, I'll go through this and let you know what's happening in some of the states here. Uh, Two new bills in Tennessee pose a grave threat to the winery direct-to-consumer and so uh, House Bill 742 and a companion Senate Bill 705 would ban winery shipments to Tennessee residents that uh, that move through a fulfillment house. All right. A lot of places use fulfillment houses. They ship it to the fulfillment house, and the fulfillment house ships it directly to the people. That way they get around the shipping it directly to the consumer laws that they have. And it's good. A lot of places do that. And that's, that's cool. It's a good way to do it, I think. But they're trying to stop that in Tennessee. So uh, another threat to the direct to consumer shipping. New Jersey, uh, coordinating a campaign to overcome the existing capacity cap uh, being ran by Free the Grapes. And it's uh, direct-to-consumer shipment volume increased 27% nationwide, but only 3.5% in New Jersey. That's the lowest growth rate in any state. And it's because of the strangling caps they have on wines and shipping and all that. So... If you live in New Jersey, get a hold of your congressman. That's really the best way to do it. Alabama. Senate Bill 146 would create a winery direct to customer shipping uh, of up to 12 cases annually per customer with a $100 permit fee. And another bill has been amended to include the language uh, that uh, is good and supported. So those are heading to the floor. So I always wonder how they, excuse me, how they count the number of cases shipped to consumer 
because if you order from four or five different wineries, there is not a database you can refer to. So, uh, well, Alaska. <coughs> Excuse me again. Geez, that cough is terrible. Senate Bill 9, which includes the direct-to-customer model bill language, was introduced in January. The bill would align the state with uh, the model direct shipping bill that Free the Grapes um, promotes. Arizona is looking at amending their DTC bill and create a capacity cap for distillers uh, that have under that make under twenty thousand gallons. Florida House Bill fifteen uh, was introduced in January, and it would trigger sales and use tax for wineries exceeding the 200 transactional $100,000 sales threshold. You know, uh, there's only, I think, like maybe two, possibly three wineries in the state of Florida that might get anywhere near that $100,000 threshold, if that many. So that's sort of like a silly bill, if you ask me. Hawaii, several bills in Hawaii right now would add beer and spirits to the direct-to-consumer law, delete the household limit, but uh, really in clear language, that's uh, House Bills 263 and Senate 65, and uh, also a House Bill 824 and Senate 1241 would add statewide reporting uh, for the common carriers, uh, which which is cool. and Senate 194 would require the Liquor Commission to revoke direct-to-consumer shippers' license if the shipper commits three or more violations, which could include clerical errors. So eh, that's sort of a bad thing there. Indiana, and that's uh, a bill is looked at to remove the Exclusion for wholesalers for direct-to-consumer shipment. That's cool. Kansas would create a license for fulfillment houses and require them to file monthly reports. Uh, Language has been negotiated with the wholesalers and the ABC and would be workable. Uh, Also, they're looking at changing winery reporting requirements from annual to quarterly. Kentucky has H-415, a fix-all bill which allows shipments from fulfillment houses. That's good. Kentucky's pretty strict on their laws anyway. It will also clarify the wineries operating under alternating proprietor arrangement may ship as well. Minnesota will put uh, the Free the Grapes model of direct consumer shipping into the state statute if Bill S-479 passes. Mississippi has a couple of them uh, that were submitted and they died in committee. Missouri, an economic nexus bill was introduced back in January when modified tax collections to include remote sellers exceeding $100,000 in sales during a 12-month period. I, you know, that has to be into the state, not to an individual. I don't know anyone who would be buying that much. North Dakota would allow microbreweries to ship directly to the consumer. Uh, that's that's a good thing. That doesn't affect the wineries at all. 
Nebraska reduces the cost of the direct consumer fees for wine use and retailers from five hundred to two fifty. Five hundred dollars to two fifty. New Hampshire would allow the State Liquor Commission to be a direct to consumer shipper. Well, since they have the houses that they have all that stuff in, that might be a good thing. And that way they, you know, help this COVID thing. New York, uh, retailer direct consumer bills supported by the National Association of Wine Retailers includes a $125 permit fee, 36 case annual limit. And uh, it also includes 36 cases of spirits per consumer by distiller. Ohio, DTC shippers bill to overcome the 250,000 gallon capacity of Oklahoma would require common carriers to report the quantity of wine within the shipment to the state, which they really can't comply with. So, I mean, how are they going to support it, which they don't? Uh, common carriers, you know, you need to report how much wine you're shipping. And here's a box. Is there 10 bottles in it or 15? I mean, there's nothing on the outside that says how many is in that box. So that's ridiculous. You know, geez, people, come on. Uh, Oregon would increase the monthly direct consumer shipment limit from three to five cases. That's, That's per month. Again, how do they really keep track? I guess it's from one retailer. Rhode Island is passing a bill that would, or is looking at passing a bill that would allow 24 cases a year. Uh, It would also replace the current on-site visit requirement, uh, also known as the winery visit penalty. If you visit a winery, then you can have them ship it to you. And that's in Rhode Island. Now they're looking at repelling that, so it's uh, you don't have to visit it to have one shipped to you. South Carolina, uh, off-premise accounts, uh, but it's got some objectionable 21st Amendment language in it, uh, it says here. So I don't know how far that bill is going to go. South Dakota would allow for DTC shipping of spirits. Uh, the Wine Institute is watching Senate Bill 109. It's a spirit special order but uh, for product, but not in distribution. So we'll see what happens there. Utah, very strict state. Senate 59 is intended to replace the flawed special order bill from 2020. But it's another special order bill that we believe will not work well for customers or wineries either. So, you know, they're replacing one with another that's just as bad. Come on, people, read your bills before you start passing them. Virginia is considering carrying over bills from 2020 that concern interstate distiller DTC and delivery from state ABC stores to Virginia customers. And Wyoming would increase wine shipment limits from 4 to 12 cases a year and now retail and direct to consumer but includes the existing exclusion for wine sold through the state's control system. Hmm. So that's what's happening so far in 2020, uh, 2021. And uh, it's 
crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, that's why Free the Grapes is so strong, and that's why you need to sign up for it. If you are not on the mailing list of Free the Grapes, you really need to be. Freethegrapes.org. It's to ensure consumer choice is in fine wine. And they always have information there, the opening page that uh, you find your state to see what's going on there at the particular time. Write your con- state congressman. None of this is federal. All these are states because it's thrown back to the states. The Supreme Court ruling last year threw everything back to the states. And so the states are still trying to get things done properly, which <laughs> we know how that works. So freethegrapes.org. If you're not receiving their emails, you really should be because it is it's well worth it. Good good uh good website, good information. Okay, now let me go on to another one here. And this one a little short article, but it's something that caught my eye. The brown stink bug. It's, there's an invasion in United Kingdom. It's uh, it can spoil the wine and contaminate fruit crops and all sorts of stuff. Uh, experts have warned of a new threat, and it's the brown marmor aided one of the bugs was called the Natural History Museum's Wildlife Garden in London and they let people know uh, you know watch out for this it's been reported also in southeast England in Surrey the brown stink bug isn't considered a health risk but it is a fast breeding pest and is capable of damaging crops and particularly grapevines uh, their scent is described as unattractive almond-like smell, and it can leave its mark on wine. If you have a bunch of grapes that contain stink bugs and you grind them up into wine, you get the smell of stink bugs in the drink, said Mark, or Max Barclay. He's an entomologist with the National History Museum. They can also damage crops in the vineyard, paving the way for rot and ultimately lower harvest yields. Native of Southeast Asia, uh, they already got residents in parts of Europe and in the United States. Uh, Stink bugs breed very fast, and the adults can fly. So they will everywhere. They're not harmful. They're just unpleasant. And they hibernate during the winter, and then they come out in the spring. Uh, they think that global warming is going to help spread the stink bug infestation in the world. Uh, this uh, They could be confused with the native green shield bug, which adopts a brown color in winter in England. But as of yet, there's not enough of the stink bugs to cause a problem with the misidentification. So... England has a problem with the brown stink bug that makes the wine, if they grind up, it, it stinks the wine. And I thought, oh boy, that's not a good thing. Not a good thing. 
So caught my eye. Uh, let's see. Let's see what do we got here. I got something else here for you. This is uh, UF researchers. UF University of Florida. UF researchers are helping Florida wineries ramp up sparkling wine production. <laughs> As a Florida winemaker and having a winery in Florida and all that, I don't know if I would want to do carbonated. But most Florida wineries use the labor-intensive champagne method and U.S. IFAS is teaching Florida winemakers how to produce carbonated wine in a fraction of the time. Uh-huh. That's interesting. Whether you live in Florida or you're just visiting, one thing is certain, you're going to want a beverage to quench your thirst. Cold drinks are very popular. Craft beer, margaritas, mojitas, and pina coladas landed on several Florida's top beverage list, but some argue that carbonated or sparkling wine should be on the list. In 2019, the sparkling wine market saw a 4% increase in the United States, and it's expected to continue to grow. So they said, why don't we do it in Florida? There are more than 30 wineries in Florida, and it says here most of them are no stranger to sparkling wine market. We're familiar with them, but we don't do a lot. Uh, Lake Ridge Winery in Claremont started producing sparkling wine nearly 30 years ago. I think they're the only ones that I know of at at the time. I don't know of a bunch of others. But they used the Muscadine grape. And it's a a different taste. It's going to be different than what you are used to in your sparkling wine. So keep that in mind if you are looking to try Florida sparkling wines and you tried the Lake Ridge. It is made with the muscadine. Very limited what we can do because it takes an enormous amount of space and time to put the hands on the project, says Jeannie Burgess, uh, who's the vice president and director of winemaking. She used to be the winemaker. Now they promote her up. She probably doesn't do a bunch of winemaking anymore. It takes about four months to produce a batch of sparkling wine. She said there's a 120 hand operations that are going to make a bottle of fermented sparkling wine from beginning to end. Wow. So to help Florida wineries ramp up their sparkling wine, the University of Florida is doing research into it. Andrew McIntosh from UF IFAS is working with Florida wineries to teach them about carbonated wine. And they said about t- one in 10 Florida wineries currently carbonate wine, and they use the labor-intensive champagne method. Uh, a lot more have started to do it since I closed. Uh, taking the winemaker's wine, carbonating it in about an hour, and giving it back to them, uh, McIntosh explained. As part of the grant that they're doing, they're grabbing winemaker's attention and letting them know how simple and how easy it is to implement the sparkling wine using carbonation. Burgess explained Florida's Muscadine sparkling wines usually pair well with anything sweet. They're good with cheese, but I prefer it with strawberries dipped in chocolate, she said. So, Florida may have sparkling wines popping out of more of the wineries than just Lake Ridge. 
and it looks like it might be pretty simple to carbonate them. That should be fun. But then the question arises, will we have to have the same type of closures? Will we have to have hard, uh, heavy bottles? Will all that stuff be needed so that it won't explode? Or can we cut back a little bit on it and and help keep the cost down for the consumer? I don't know. Uh, But Florida is looking at sparkling wines, which is an interesting thing to me. Brexit. It's pretty much over now, but the effect on the United Kingdom wine scene is still undecided. What's going to happen? Uh, Huge drops in the cross-channel freight volume since December. Secondly, slow down the choice of fine wines to buy in the United Kingdom. A lot more forms to be filled out by UK and uh, EU while they're shipping back and forth. And it it just, the article goes on here and says it's just a a lot of government BS, if you will, that is affecting it more than anything. It is slowing down shipping across the canal, and it's taking its effect on what's happening in England in prices and on the United Kingdom, I should say, in prices and all the... uh, lines that are coming in, how many they are, and is they're not getting as many as they had before because some of the smaller wineries are choosing not to pursue all the paperwork that's involved now. And the cost uh, has increased. As uh, they say, it's added anywhere from 17 to 20 pence per bottle. Uh, to bring in a pallet. So, you know, you're you're looking at quite a bit. Uh, This extra cost is not hugely significant in wines retailing over 15 pounds per bottle, but the cheaper wines are starting to jump up on the price and people are noticing it. You know, let's face it, most people buy a cheaper brand anyway. And so with the prices going up on the cheaper bottles, people are feeling the effects of that. And it's not finished yet. Other, well, as the article here says, and I agree, stupid changes are looking at in the future. Uh, The EU is looking at increasing the tariffs and making it a little bit tougher to bring stuff across. And it's just the whole thing is sad, really is, uh, since uh, Great Britain decided to exit the European Union. It's almost like they're being punished. Uh, The wine scene is being punished because of it. So that's starting to happen there. I saw something I was going to I'm going to have to go back and there's another link there that I need to click on and find 
Uh, let's see. Yeah, let's see. This one here. Uh, higher. Let's see. Pretty short article here, but pretty interesting. The pigments responsible for wine's color also changes its flavor. And this is anthocyanins. Not only give wine its color, but they also change its flavors. This is according to Marie Alessandra Pezzoni from the University of Turin, speaking at the latest Eno Forum session on winemaking. As part of her PhD, the Italian researcher began by extracting all the anthocyanins from a Barbera and a Nobello invented in 2015. Then I divided them into three groups according to their level of uh, acetylation glucoside and acetyl glucoside or camerol glucoside, she explained. Well, the people understand it. Obviously, you didn't. She then put each fraction in the presence of salivary proteins. The higher the acetylation level, the more the antithiolation anthocyanins precipitated them, she said. She said, organized sensory analysis sessions with trained students from the Bordeaux Institute of Wine and Sciences also were in on the experiments. She also asked them to describe the sensations they felt when tasting solutions with 12% alcohol and different levels of anthocyanins. And they said that with the different levels of anthocyanins in the wines, it gave different flavors, bitterness, aggressiveness, salinity, heat were commonly used descriptors to explain how it changed when you took the anthocyanins out. So basically, the color that is the, the chemical that gives the color to wines, anthocyanins, anthocyanin is also what you're going to taste. And the less anthocyanin, the more you're going to lose a taste in a wine. So, interesting, I thought. Uh, no way to tell how much or how high a level of anthocyanin is, but it's makes a difference. Higher wine price can enhance taste. There's another study. Uh, Drinkers have shown the inflated wine price by researchers were more enthusiastic about the contents in their glass versus those given the real price. There were many variables to consider, but the study adds to an increasing amount of research on wine price and taste. And uh, the author said they specifically wanted to better understand perception in a realistic setting. So they held wine tastings in small groups with 140 participants during an open evening event at the University of Basel in Switzerland. Three Italian wines were involved. The cheapest wine was rated as more pleasant when presented as fourfold of its actual retail price. The cheapest one here was a Montepulciano uh, for that average $10 in U.S. 
when they told it was about $40, people found it to be better. No effect was found when decreasing the price label of the expensive wine by a fourfold. The researchers also asked drinkers to rate the wine's intensity and found that price changes didn't have much impact. It was all blind tastings and all the way through. Some were given the inflated price for the cheapest wine and an artificially low price for the most expensive. Others were shown the real prices. Of the 135 of the participants said they drank wine regularly. None were considered tasting experts. Uh, let's see. The mind is a beautiful thing, said uh, uh, Professor Jens Gab, who conducted this, uh, able to bend the truth to the point where expectations fit the reality. Uh, he said that the uh, price alone can be useful from an investment perspective. Uh, the authors, study authors call for more research into links between wine price and taste. So, <laughs> the perception that a wine costs more money is you're going to think it tastes better. This is cheap. But again, they said in the study that the people were not any more than just drinkers. They weren't classified as experts or anything. And I think if they were given the opportunity to taste the different wines, not just based, well, I, I'm not arguing with the study. I just think that you're right. It needs to be studied further because that is an interesting thing. Uh, more expensive wines have subletities to it that make it better. And I think most people don't notice the difference. So, well, I can go on to this. I'm going to talk myself into a circle here, so I won't. But, uh, yeah, more study needs to be done. There we go. I'm sure they notice it uh, on their credit card bill or uh, their bank statement. And, uh, <laughs> there you go. For sure. Untrained go. person. That must have been a really good $400 bottle of wine. So yeah. uh, uh, the, yeah. I remember uh, going to uh, AmericanWineryGuide.com. And I did go there, but I I thought there was another another website that was yeah, there started is. with a C. There it started is. with a C, and it was like a shortcut. But uh, AmericanWineryGuide.com, yeah. if you go under wineries, it lists all the states. It is very outdated, uh, but it gives you some really? idea. Of, oh yeah, um, Florida State's Winery listed under Florida, and wow. um, yeah, That's still there. Uh, address. Address and everything. Is it five years? So five years. Yeah, yeah. Maybe some some update there, but uh, yeah. So you it know, was, call before you just head out and, and that kind of thing. I I can't remember the site I use all the time. Oh my gosh, that's I horrible. Know. And I started searching some of the old uh, uh, show notes, and I was like, it was C A something. Dot com. It was real quick, not capital. And I was like, you know, I did a Google search for winery listings by state. Couldn't find it. But uh, I was like, yeah, I remember I, it. I, yeah. I, with a I, I use it all the time. And I used to 
recommended to people all the time. Oh, for and, and oh my gosh, for the life of me, I can't think of it now. I can't think of the name of it now. Yeah, oh. one o'clock in the morning, I come to you, and we're going to do a special episode. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'll jump up out of bed, jump out of bed, and say, "This is the name of it." But why? I just said, ah. Once I do it, I have to write it down. Castle, cast, capital, capital. I don't know, I forgot. Something I can see to the website. I can see the yeah. website yeah. though. This, you know, I really can. I can see the website in front of me, but I can't see the the name of it. I can. Oh, what is the name of that? Oh, geez. Okay. Well, I've well, mentioned it looks, before. Look, it looks similar to that one, but but uh, uh, I I don't know. I can't remember it. I have to do some more searching, I guess, because I know I wrote it down on my my file somewhere. So it's probably sitting there somewhere. Yeah, I, I have it somewhere too. Uh, <laughs> and I, I just. Know. It's going to drive me nuts. That's what it's going to do. Yeah. Wine use by state. No, I don't want to know that. American Winery Guide. Yeah, I got the same thing you did here, American Winery Guide. Yeah. All over. Sure. Yeah, but go wine, map and rank, 50 state wine folly, delirious statistics. No. How many wine? No, I just. Oh, man. Started with the thing, and I can't remember that. I can't remember that. And I don't know why they would close it down, you Mm -hmm. know, the site, because I know it was used. Yeah. But. It didn't have anything to do with the magazine that you get, did it? No, no, no. no, It wasn't wasn't affiliated with any magazine or anything. Uh, Yeah. Wine Searcher, the one, and there's. uh, that other one, wineries by state. I can't remember. No, the one I got loaded up now is American, the American wineries or American Winery Guide. dot com. That, that yeah, one, I got, but I got that pulled up right now too. But was a yeah. I don't so, think. Yeah, this is an there's issue. a bookmarked on here because I went through some of my bookmarks. I couldn't find it. Yeah, me too. I, I'm sure uh, I had a bookmark too, and I just ah man. <laughs> oh, oh well. If anybody out there remembers the one that we mentioned three or four times, and you know, drop us an email and let us know, so we won't be going crazy trying to remember it. Uh, just go back and listen to uh, 400 episodes or whatever it is, and when you, well, when you hear it, you know, I, I know I mentioned it, so yeah, it's on there. It's yeah. been mentioned. I don't a few see times. It. Yeah, it has. I don't see it in my bookmarks though. That just that drives me nuts too because it was in my bookmarks. Uh, so you should go to it continuously. Ah, you oh, know, well. and I'm telling me about it. And I'd go there. Yeah, yeah. In fact, see, when you, you went see. down to Texas, that this one I told you about, and you looked on it and what? found all the wineries around where you were and all that. From yep. that site. Now it's not well, on here. Huh. Oh well. well. Oh well. Anyone out there remember, drop us an email, let us know. Yeah, definitely. Our yeah. Uh, next show will be next Thursday, uh June the seventeenth, twenty twenty one. 
at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for uh, tuning in as always. I really appreciate it. If you have any comments, questions, or you want to be a guest, you can either visit the website at allaboutwinebtr.com or email Ron directly. It, the email address is allaboutwine101 at gmail.com. You can email them and um, you know just give them a comment, some feedback, tell us where you're listening from. That's always cool. And, um, you know, we want to hear from you. So uh, send us an email or something. Contact us. Appreciate it. And thank you for listening. And have a great week. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Here we go. (laughs) This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. I like the music. Thank you. Get over here. I'll close the streaming software, and we're still on Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> so we'll back to back. the green room.